Good afternoon, everybody. Welcome to our worship service on this beautiful, sunny Sunday. Glad to see full attendance. We pray that our worship here would be upbuilding to the glory of our God and Father, and that it would also increase our faith. Special welcome to anybody visiting with us this afternoon, also those listening online. Consistory has one announcement. We hope to celebrate Lord's Supper in two weeks. Not sure the date on that. At the 2 p.m. service. This afternoon, we welcome Pastor Phil Crotonice from Pathway Canadian Reformed Church in Abbotsford. Our call to worship this afternoon comes from Psalm 105. Oh, give thanks to the Lord, call upon his name, make known his deeds among the peoples, sing to him, sing praises to him, tell of all his wondrous works, glory in his holy name, let the hearts of those who seek the Lord rejoice, seek the Lord in his strength, seek his presence continually. Remember the wondrous works that he has done, his miracles and the judgments he uttered. Would you please stand? Brothers and sisters in Christ, where does our help come from? Our help is in the name of the Lord. Receive now the greeting of your God and King. Grace to you and peace from God the Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. A- Amen. Let's stand and let's sing uh, hymn 66, shall we? Great is thy faithfulness. We're going to sing stanzas one and three.
We come to a point uh, in our worship that if you are a regular member here uh, in this church, the words that I'm about to read are going to be very familiar to you. And in fact, sometimes they can become overly familiar to the, the point where we just kind of check out. And that should never happen in worship, although we're human and sometimes it does. So I'm going to ask you to pay special attention to the words I'm about to read uh, from Exodus chapter 20, commonly known simply as uh, the Ten Commandments, or literally the Ten Words of the Covenant, which, which reminds us of the kind of people that we are to be. A people whose hearts are not knit, first and foremost, to the culture that we find around us, but a people who, in an antithetical way, are called to attach our hearts to the Lord who calls us to live in a certain way before him and praise God that he has showed us that way in details. So please listen carefully. God spoke all these words and he said, I am the Lord your God who brought you out of the land of Egypt, out of the house of slavery. And the very first thing that he says to us is this, you're to have no other gods before me. I'm going to say that again. You are to have no other gods before me. A god is something that we place our heart attachments to. And there are many things other than the true God that we do that. There are many what we call personal and cultural idols that we embrace that kind of diminish our affections for the God who loves us and who has called us to himself in Jesus Christ. The Lord knows that. And that's why he says, remember this. It is a command, I am the Lord your God, and you shall have no other gods before me. Followed by this, and it's a matter relating to the worship of this God. He says, you shall not make for yourself a carved image or any likeness of anything that is in heaven above, or that is in the earth beneath, or that is in the water under the earth. And you shall not bow down to them or serve them, for I, the Lord your God, am a jealous God, visiting the iniquity of the fathers, on the children to the third and the fourth generation of those who hate me, but showing steadfast love to thousands of those who love me and keep my commandments. So the Lord says, place your heart affections on me and then also worship me, ascribe worth to me. Not the personal idols, not the cultural idols, not those things that ultimately, when we embrace them, enslave us. The Lord says, I want you to be free. And I want you to live as a free people. And the only way you can truly be free is if you put your heart's affections on me and worship me. Now, no more commentary for the rest of the commandments. The Lord says, you shall not take the name of the Lord your God in vain. For the Lord will not hold him guiltless who takes his name in vain. Remember the Sabbath day to keep it holy. Six days you shall labor and do all your work, but the seventh day is a Sabbath to the Lord your God. On it you shall not do any work, you or your son or your daughter, your male servant or your female servant, or your livestock, or the sojourner who is within your gates. Now, here's why we are to rest one day in seven. For in six days the Lord made heaven and earth, the sea and all that is in them. And then he rested on the seventh day. Therefore the Lord blessed the Sabbath day, and he made it holy. Honor your father and your mother that your days may be long in the land that the Lord your God has given you. You shall not murder. You shall not commit adultery. You shall not steal. You shall not bear false witness against your neighbor. And you shall not covet your neighbor's house. 
You shall not covet your neighbor's wife or his male servant or his female servant or his ox or his donkey or anything that is your neighbor's. In light of the reading of that law, let's draw attention now to uh, Psalm 130, and we're going to sing three stanzas of that song. the scripture together, um, we are going to have um, a brief prayer. Um, just give me a second here. I'm going to turn these off. Not that I don't need them. However, I'm afraid that the papers are going to fly all over the place, and then that's going to be a problem. So let's, uh, let's pray together before we uh, open up God's word. Heavenly Father, every Sunday that we gather, we have a privilege in this land 
so different from our brothers and sisters in Christ in places like Afghanistan under the oppression of the Taliban or those under the oppression of dictators in China or North Korea or those who live in fear in places like Iran and other places that oppress Christians for the sake of the gospel. Father, you place us in this land where currently we have the freedom to gather together to worship, to magnify your name, and also to receive the food of your word. And so, Father, we pray that as we open up that word, Lord, we pray that, first of all, that you would give me the ability, Lord, to have a clear mind and a retentive mind and the unction of your spirit to speak carefully, accurately, but we pray also powerfully in the power of the Spirit to make the Word applicable, O God, to our lives so that indeed it would stir our hearts. And Father, we pray that then for all of us. We pray that your Spirit indeed would fill us in a particular way right now and that that Spirit would give us clarity of mind and powers of retention, open ears and receptive hearts, and we pray, O oh Father, that as the word is preached, you would quicken our wills to respond today, but also in the coming week, to the word that is preached. So grant fruit to that preaching, we pray. It has to come from you, O oh God, a God of grace and power. We pray in Jesus' precious name. Amen. All right, I want to draw your attention now to um, our scripture reading. If you have your Bibles with you, then I want to draw your attention to Psalm 134. So Psalm 134. Then after we sing this together, we're going to sing a song, Speak, O Lord. And then uh, we're going to hear the preaching of the word. So Psalm 134. Uh, If you have your Bibles open, you take a look at it, you'll see that the title is A Song of Ascents. I will explain that in just a moment, what that means or what that's referring to. And then we come to verse 1 where we read, Come, bless the Lord, all you servants of the Lord, who stand by night in the house of the Lord. Lift up your hands to the holy place and bless the Lord. May the Lord bless you from Zion, he who made heaven and earth. So let's sing that song now. Speak, O Lord.
I asked uh, someone uh, here this afternoon if uh, many of you uh, take your Bibles with you, um, because I don't think that the scripture is normally uh, placed on the screens here. And so I'm, I'm glad to hear that, that you're encouraged to take your Bibles with you. If you have your Bible with you, I want you to take a look at Psalm 134. And um, I was told, I hope this is accurate, that the, um, the, uh, uh, the, the, the translation that you use is the, the English Standard Version. That's what I'm working with here. Now, if you have an English Standard Version, I want you to take a look at Psalm 134. And because it's a brief psalm, and because the psalms have been written not only to be sung, but to be read, sometimes responsively and sometimes as a whole as a congregation, um, what I'd like us to do is simply read this brief psalm Together. So again, the title is A Song of Ascents, and please join me, if you would, with verse 1 to the end. And let's say together, Come, bless the Lord, all you servants of the Lord, who stand by night in the house of the Lord. Lift up your hands to the holy place and bless the Lord. May the Lord bless you from Zion, he who made heaven and earth. Now, how long did it take for us to read that psalm, but maybe 15, 20 seconds, something like that, not long. Um, you know, I don't know if you know this, but Psalm 134 is, it is the second shortest psalm of the entire Psalter. So if you're an individual who happens to be here and you're, uh, well, maybe you've come a couple of times and you're starting to become familiar with the Bible, as I'm working with an individual in connection with Pathway who simply came off the street um, a number of weeks ago and I'm meeting individually with him and we're reading the Bible together. When we first began, he didn't really know where the Gospel of Matthew was, the first book of the New Testament, so he's learning the Word. And if you're like that and you, you, you look at this, you see that it's right in the middle of the Bible, so the Psalms are very easy to find. And the Psalms have 150 Psalms in all. As I said, the second shortest Psalm of the 150 Psalms is Psalm 134. And if you know your Bibles well and you've been in the Christian faith for a while, you know likely that the shortest Psalm is what? Psalm 117. And maybe some of us knew that, maybe some of us not, but I suppose many, many of us know what the longest psalm is, and that's Psalm 119. In fact, I think, if I'm not mistaken, it's 176 verses, so a very, very long, long song. But this is admittedly a brief psalm. It's only 45 words in the English Standard Version, and it's only 23 words in the original Hebrew language in which the psalms were written. 23 words. Now, why do I take the time to explain that? Because it would be very easy when we take a look at Psalm 134 to think, well, it's short, and if you've been in the Christian faith for a while and you read Psalm 134, I suppose there's really not a lot that when you read it immediately jumps out at you and you say to yourself, man, I never knew that was there before. I learned something new. It's a very, in a sense, it seems like a general psalm. It's a short psalm, and therefore it'd be very easy for us not to give it much street cred, as they say, not to take it very seriously, because after all, it is very brief. But here's the thing. We need to take this psalm very, very seriously. Number one, just for this reason, is because the psalms, in addition to all the other books of the Bible and all the other verses and chapters of the Bible, is part of the inspired word of God. And what we mean by that is that it's 
it's, it's the scripture, the Bible is God-breathed. Its origin is found in God, working through writers whom God has chosen throughout the ages, particularly many years ago, to write down what he wanted them to write, including Psalm 134. So if Psalm 130 is part of, uh, 134 is part of inspired scripture, we need to take it seriously. But the second reason is this. When you take a look at Psalm 134 and you take it seriously and you begin to unpack it, you begin to see that Psalm 134 speaks about something really, really important, and it's worship. And when you begin to unpack it, you begin to see that it focuses on such things as the heart of worship. Also, the posture at times that we should have in worship. That worship is not just a spiritual enterprise or calling that we have, but it's something that's to involve the body as well. We also see something rather interesting here in Psalm 134, that you and I, when we gather for worship, are called to bless the Lord. Now think about that. What does that really mean, to bless the Lord? How often do we think when we gather for worship, I'm here to bless the Lord But also this, Psalm 134 teaches us, like the rest of the scriptures, that when we bless the Lord and worship him in the way that he desires, then the Lord in turn blesses us. We bless him, he blesses us. And in the best times of worship, when we worship the Lord in the way that he desires, what actually happens, and many Christians don't think about this, but the new creation, what is coming in the new Jerusalem, actually breaks down to us and we begin to get a foretaste of the blessed, perfect worship to come, again, in the new creation, what the Bible calls the new Jerusalem. So these are the kind of things that we're going to be considering here um, this morning. Now, I want to draw your attention to Psalm 134, and if you've got your Bibles open, I want you to take a look at the very top of one Psalm, Psalm 134, and what does it say? It's a song of ascents. Now, a lot of times, Christians will think, well, you know what, that's just the title, and sometimes they question maybe that's not even part of the scripture, that that's just an editorial insertion but that's not true. Actually, the titles that you find in the book of Psalms are part of inspired scripture. So if you go back to the original Hebrew text, you will see it there. It says, a song of ascents. So it's important for us to uh, remember. So that's the title. Now you say, what is a song of ascents? What does that really, what does it really refer to? Well, I'll tell you now. We take a look at a psalm of sense. Before I explain it, um, one, one other thing. Again, if you have your Bibles open, take a look at Psalm 133. What's the title of that psalm? Song of Ascents. Now, we get particularly the human writer there of David. You go back to Psalm 132, Psalm of Sense. 131, a song of ascents of David. Psalm 130, Song of Ascents. On and on it goes. So we go from all the way from Psalm 134 all the way back to Psalm 120. So what we have here before us is the last psalm in the Song of Ascents, which is pretty significant. Let me explain why. The Song of Ascents refers to these psalms or these songs that the people of God, our spiritual ancestors, sang when they would go on their way to Jerusalem and they would go to Jerusalem, their capital, in order to celebrate one of three feasts or festivals. One was Passover, 
The other one was Pentecost, and the other one was Yom Kippur, the Day of Atonement. And I'll touch on that also a little bit uh, later in our, our second service. So what they would do is they would be on a pilgrimage in order to celebrate these festivals, and they would move on to Jerusalem, and they're called songs that they would sing, songs of ascents, because Jerusalem was known as a city on a hill. So they would start in various places of Israel, and sometimes it would take days, other times it would take weeks, and gradually they go up and up and up until they finally reach their destination, which is Jerusalem, the city on a hill. Now, I'm sure a number of you have left this part of the area in order to, and you say, you know what, we're going to go hiking on Mount Baker. You notice that when you cross the border and you go up to Mount Baker, you're always going up, aren't you, until you reach the final destination, which is what? It's Artist Point. That's where you got to park your car, right? Beautiful, beautiful scenery there. But you're always moving up. Think of that, although Jerusalem is not the height of Mount Baker, but think of that, that as the people of God, if you can try to envision this, they're walking, walking as groups of individuals on the way to Jerusalem. And then we get to Psalm 134, the final psalm in the Song of Ascents. That tells us that the people of God, our ancestors, as they are traveling, have finally, they have finally reached their destination. Which is what again? It's Jerusalem. But more particularly, it's the Jerusalem temple. It's the Jerusalem congregation. It is the place of worship. So they're moving, moving, and they finally come, they come to in a sense, what we have here. They come to the congregation. They come to worship the Lord together. And you, you can sense the, the excitement of the psalmist, that worship was not a boring thing. It was not something that he simply checked off on a box and said, okay, it's Sunday, we gotta go, let's get in the car, let's go to worship. There's none of that. The psalmist is excited about coming to worship. And what does he say? Verse one, he says, come, Bless the Lord, you servants of the Lord who stand by night in the house of the Lord. Who are the servants? The servants are the servants of the Lord who serve actually in the temple in terms of music, in terms of the performance of sacrifices, in terms of the singing and everything. But really, the psalm is applicable to every one of us because we are all, if you're united to Christ by faith, we are all servants, right? of the Lord. So you find those who work in the temple, but you also have the people of God who come to the temple. And the psalmist says, come. Come, you servants of the Lord, and come to do this specifically. Come and bless. Just bless the Lord. You know, Psalm 134 just wasn't for the people of God at that time or for our ancestors hundreds and hundreds of years ago. Because if that was the case, then much of what you read in the Bible would just be a historical lesson and a lesson in different cultures, liturgical communities and that kind of thing. But when we look at Psalm 134, we would be terribly remiss if we didn't ask the question, what does it have to do with me? And here's what it has to do with us. When you think of the people of Israel, you have to remember 
that they left various places in Israel to pilgrimage together to Jerusalem. And if you think about it, the whole of the Christian life is a pilgrimage, is it not? It's a journey. Really, if you think about it, here's the parallel. Their journey is our journey. Their pilgrimage is our pilgrimage. And their ultimate destination is our ultimate destination. And what is that destination? The destination is Jerusalem. Now, for them, it was the earthly Jerusalem and the earthly temple, but our destination in this journey of life is ultimately the new Jerusalem, the heavenly Jerusalem, the heavenly place of worship. That's where we're heading. And you know what? You and I, if you think about it, we're on this journey as pilgrims, uh, pilgrims, and what are we doing? Like our ancestors, we're ascending, aren't we? We're ascending gradually up, up, up to the new creation, to the new Jerusalem. And like our ancestors, you know what? This, uh, my friends, listen, the, the pilgrimage is not always easy. The journey is, is filled with dangers. The journey is filled with difficulty. The journey is filled with sorrows along the way. The journey is filled with griefs that revolve around sickness and death and the various pressures that we face on a day-by-day basis. It's not easy. And that journey to Jerusalem was not easy for our ancestors either. One man once called it um, a long obedience in one direction. A long obedience in one direction. It really is that way. But here's the thing. The Lord loves us. Do you believe that? The Lord loves you in Christ. And along the way in the journey, the Lord has not left us alone and he has not left us bereft. He has not left us empty. But the Lord says, on this journey, what I do is I'm going to give you strength. I'm going to nourish you. And what I'm going to do is I'm going to bless you along the way. And where do we experience the greatest depth of that nourishment? And where do we often feel the most intense love of the Lord? Here, like our ancestors in Jerusalem, here in this place of worship where the Lord nourishes us and he says to us, now that you have gathered like your ancestors, bless me. Bless me. And in turn, for the journey, I will bless you. When you, um, when you came to worship this afternoon, did you come here or, or whenever you worship, do you ever come here or on the way here and you think to yourself, I'm coming to gather with the people of God to bless the Lord. I would dare say most of us not. I'm not here to judge hearts, but I'm thinking probably not because a lot of times I don't think that way either. I think I come to worship to be with the body of Christ. I come here to be fed and to grow. I come here to give my praises. I come here to worship the Lord and glorify his name. I think about all of these things, but many times I don't think, you know what? I come to worship to bless the Lord. How come we don't oftentimes think about coming to worship for the precise purpose to bless the Lord. And I think one of the reasons is because 
We would, we, when we say we come here to bless the Lord, I think there's something deep in us that, that says, uh, why do I need to bless the Lord? Does he need my blessing? I mean, I need his blessing. But does he really need my blessing? I mean, you think about it, Psalm 50, the Lord says, the cattle on a thousand hills are mine. What can you give to me that I already don't have? Theologians speak about one of the attributes of God being the aseity of God. And the aseity of God refers to the self-containedness of God. That God is self-contained. In other words, listen, the God whom we serve is sovereign. He does not depend upon you and me. Man, we depend upon him, but he doesn't depend upon us. So why would we have to bless the Lord? And yet, that's exactly what the Bible calls us to do, to bless him. All right, A.V., if you would put that first passage on, I want you to take a look at this. Some various psalms, just we'll stick with the psalms, that talk about blessing the Lord. Enter the Lord's gates with thanksgiving and his courts with praise. Give thanks to him and what? Bless his holy name. Bless the Lord, O my soul, and forget none of his benefits. Sing to the Lord. Bless his name. Tell of his salvation from day to day. I will bless the Lord at all times and his praise shall continually be in my mouth. That beautiful Psalm 34. I will extol you, my God and my King, and bless your name forever and ever. My mouth will speak the praise of the Lord and let all flesh bless his holy name forever and ever. Amen. Bless, bless. We come here to bless the Lord. What does it mean to bless the Lord? Because that's what the psalmist calls us to do. Come bless the Lord, all you servants of the Lord. What does it mean to bless the Lord? If I put it simply, to bless the Lord means when you and I gather together, we come here to glorify God. That means we come here to magnify his name. We come to worship him. The old English term is worship. We come here to ascribe worth to God. And we come here to experience the joy of the Lord. As the Westminster Confession of Faith puts it, you and I, our purpose in our lives during the week and in worship is to glorify God and enjoy him forever. And that means giving all, giving our heart, our head, our hands in order to bless his name and glorify him for who he is and for all the benefits that you and I have through faith in Jesus Christ. We do that throughout the week, but it's a special time when we gather together and lift our voices and bless the Lord together. So again, you think about that, that when you come here, you come to bless the Lord. Now, how do you do that? How do you bless the Lord? Specifically, we do that in various ways. You think about it. When you and I gather together, we bless the Lord by or with our voices. I come here to bless the Lord and praise the Lord through the songs that I sing, by entering into songs to think about what I'm doing there and lifting my voice, not mumbling my words, not putting my hands in my pockets and enduring this, but to do my best, to give my best to the Lord in the songs that I sing. We do that with our mouths. We do that by confessing our sins together and seeking forgiveness through, the, through Jesus Christ and his shed blood on the cross. 
We do this with listening ears so that when the pastor preaches, and again, I know it's very easy to kind of zoom in and out, zoom in and out, but to give my best, giving attentive word to the preaching of the Lord and responding to that with my will and with the joy of my heart, with my human spirit. I mean, we even bless the Lord with our taste buds. That as a Psalm 34 puts it, taste and see that the Lord is good when we partake of the bread and the wine in the Lord's Supper. So we bless the Lord in various ways. But, but if you take the language of Psalm 134 seriously, remember it's part of inspired scripture. How do we bless the Lord? Put verses one and two together. Come bless the Lord, you servants of the Lord, who stand by night in the house of the Lord. Now, verse two. Lift up your hands to the holy place. Or the original Hebrew could read like this. Change the preposition to to, to in. Lift up your hands in the holy place and do what? Bless the Lord. How oftentimes do you ever think about this? About your arms, about your hands as part of worship. You know, the Bible speaks frequently about the, the use of our arms in, in our, our hands in worship. In fact, the Bible refers to various bodily postures that are employed in the context of worship. A.V., if you put the second one on there. Those who bless the Lord, notice here are some postures, bow and kneel. Come let us worship and bow down and let us kneel before the Lord our maker. We worship him by bowing down, by kneeling, which is a posture of what? It's humility. Go to the next one if you would. Those who bless the Lord stand. Let all the earth fear the Lord and let all the inhabitants of the Lord stand in awe before him. Next one, please. Those who bless the Lord lift their hands. Another psalm that refers to lifting of hands. I will bless you as long as I live, and in your name I will lift my hands. Now one more, if you would. Okay, this comes from the book of praise, Psalm 134. Your, this is what we're singing. Your hands in prayer and worship raise, adore him in his holy place. Come kneel before him in his house, extol his name with sacred vows. This is our songbook. Your hands in prayer and worship raise. Now I want you to notice something. Take a look at the, the screen if you would again. Come kneel before him in his house. Now that's interesting. Because when you read Psalm 134, there's no reference to kneeling. It's an insertion. Okay, but, but, the, but the, uh, those who worked on the book of praise decided to put it in. It shouldn't be an issue for us because the Psalms elsewhere in Psalm 95 speak about kneeling. Kneel before the Lord. Raise your hands before the Lord. What, what's the point? What's the point of this? The point that we see in the Bible is that worship is never just a spiritual, rational exercise, but involves the body. You take a look at the work of the Lord. When the Lord created us, he created us what? Just spiritual beings? No, he created us bodily beings. When Jesus came to this earth, according to the Heidelberg Catechism, which we're going to be considering this afternoon, we see that Christ has come to redeem us, not just in soul, but also body. 
When we are buried, we are buried bodily. Why? So that when Christ returns, we shall rise from the dead and go on to live in the new creation with a glorified body. We're not just floating around like angels for eternity. We, we enter into the new creation with glorified bodies, praising the Lord forever. Body, body, body. What does the Bible teach us? We're composite beings. Psychosomatic beings. What that means is we are not only spirit but body, not only uh, body but also spirit. And one informs the other so that when our spirits are high and we come here with joy then the psalmist says there's the lifting of the hands or sometimes we come heavy but sometimes where there's the lifting of the hands the spirit follows psychosomatic beings right i have one more quote for you you put that last quote up here's a quote to consider which is, which, which ultimately is not even found in the, well, it's found in the Old Testament, but it's confirmed in 1 Timothy 2 regarding the lifting of holy hands. Why do men lift their hands when they pray? Is it not that their hearts may be raised at the same time to God? Do you know where that quote comes from? John Calvin. John Calvin. Okay, that's fine. Okay, not to belabor this point but we're called to, to worship the Lord and to bless him with the whole of our, our being. The whole of our being. And when we do that, and when we do that with sincerity, not just through motions, but sincerity, then what happens then is we, through our worship, bring blessing to the Lord, and when he receives that blessing, then what happens? Does our worship merely dissipate into thin air? Does it, does it fall upon the deaf ears of God or the blind eyes of God? Does he not notice? No, the Bible over and over says God does notice. So when we bring our blessing to him, he turns around, and when he, when he receives that blessing, he blesses us in turn. So look at Psalm 134. Let's put all the verses together. Come bless the Lord, you servants of the Lord, who stand by night in the house of the Lord. Lift up your hands to the holy place and bless the Lord. Now verse 3. Now may the Lord bless you from Zion, he who made heaven and earth. May the Lord bless you. And listen, as we draw to a close now, isn't this what we need? Don't we need the blessing of the Lord? I mean, go back to the beginning. My friends, we are on this journey, a sometimes difficult journey on the way to the new creation and the new Jerusalem. We need the blessing of the Lord to fight on. We need the blessing of the Lord to press on. We need the blessing of the Lord in, in the words of the book of Hebrews to leave aside the sin that so easily entangles us and run the race set before us, keeping our eyes fixed on Jesus Christ, the author and the perfecter of our faith. Indeed, we need the blessing of God to reach the heavenly Jerusalem where one day we will bless the Lord most perfectly and he will bless us most fully. And until then, as we worship the Lord in the kindnesses of the Lord, when we worship him in the way that he calls us to, that blessing of the Lord that we will experience in the new creation, the full blessings of God, begins already now to break down to us 
So we get little beautiful intimate foretastes of the full blessings to come in the new creation. So I leave you with this. If you are here and you have uh, just little experience of what I'm talking about here, then do what God created you to do. Come to the end of yourself. Come to the end of yourself and turn from your sin and just turn to Jesus. And then do what God created you to do and bless him. Bless him. Bless him. Indeed, the call goes out to every one of us. In the words of the psalmist, come bless the Lord. And if you do, he will give you that strength that you need to press on. And more than that, along the way, he will give you beautiful foretaste of that time when you enter into that new creation where there be no more crying or mourning or pain for these things will have passed away. To which we say throughout the week, hopefully, and on this very special day, yes, Maranatha, come, Lord Jesus, come quickly. We're going to sing in just a moment. Please join me in a brief prayer. Heavenly Father, Lord, thank you for this opportunity to come to this place today to bless your holy name. Lord, receive that blessing. And Lord, we pray that you would respond to that blessing by showering your blessings upon us for your glory, but also, O oh God, for our nourishment and our joy, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Let's do this now. I want to have you uh, turn in your songbooks to Psalm 134. Um, the very words of the first stanza was, uh, or the second stanza was uh, cited on the screen. We're going to sing all three stanzas together. And let's do this. Let's stand and sing.
Would you please uh, join me in, in prayer? Heavenly Father, on this warm and this smoky day, Lord, we enter into this place to, in the words of the psalmist, to bless your holy name. Father, our, our minds and our hearts and our bodies are tuned to you and we focus on you to glorify your name, to lift high that name of Jesus, our Redeemer, and in the ministry of the Holy Spirit, O oh God, to ascribe worth to who you are and for all that you have done for us in Jesus Christ. Father, thank you for this day. Indeed, a highlight, a highlight of the week, O oh God. And Lord, we pray in the midst of this journey of life, this wilderness of life, O oh God, we pray that, that, that as we have gathered before you this day, that this place may be an oasis in the wilderness, a place where we can quench our thirst and draw near to Jesus. Oh, Father, either for the first time in our lives or for the hundredth time in our lives to be knit to Christ and to, as the Apostle Paul says, to know him, not just about him, but to know him and the power of his resurrection in our lives. Father, use this day for the rest of this week that we may commit ourselves anew to being united to Jesus Christ in his crucifixion, in his burial, dying fundamentally to ourselves in order that we might rise to new life to serve Jesus in the way that we should. Father, we need the ministry of your spirit, so grant that spirit to us, O Lord. Help us, O God, not to quench the spirit, not to resist the spirit, not to grieve the spirit, but Lord, help us to open our hearts to him that he may fill us and sanctify us and conform us more and the more to the image of Jesus Christ. God, grant that to us, we pray. And then, Lord, just one other thing. We look outside and we see all the smoke of the area. And, Lord, it, 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 it burdens our hearts to know that there are many forests around us that are on fire. Smoke is filling the air gets deep into our lungs, causes us to cough. It's not a pleasant thing. So, Father, we pray, especially for the communities of Kelowna and other areas of B.C. especially, oh, God, we pray that you would quench those fires. Lord, we're expecting rain Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday. We don't know how much we're going to get. But, Lord, we pray that it may not be a sprinkle here or there, but we pray as the God who orchestrates all things, a God who is providential so that nothing comes by chance, but all things are orchestrated by your sovereign hand. We pray that the rains may come and they will drench the land, may quench the fires, so that, O oh God, our force may be preserved, the beauty of this area may be preserved, so that we would have clean air to breathe, 
And Father, we pray for those communities especially affected. We pray that you will raise up churches who are gospel-centered and who believe truly in the person and the work of Jesus Christ and the gospel of the kingdom. We pray that you would open up opportunities for them to disadvantage themselves for the sake of showing mercy to others, for the cause of Christ to, in the words of Jesus, give a cup of cold water in his name. So Father, we pray for that and we pray that you would be gracious and you would relieve us and the communities of this kind of devastation that we are currently experiencing. So Father, this is what we bring before you. Lord, related to this is the offering that we're about to bring on behalf of uh, Mission Aviation Fellowship. And Lord, we pray, O oh God, that it would be the case that you bless the offering that we give for many pilots who have to go into dangerous areas and fly in such patterns that sometimes their own their lives sometimes are at risk, all for the sake of the gospel to bring the good news of Jesus in word and deed. So bless the offerings that we give for this worthy organization, O oh God, for the extension of your church and your kingdom. God grant that we ask. And all these things we bring before you in the name of our faithful Savior, Jesus Christ. Amen. All right, we have prayed for it. Now we give toward it. We give for Mission Aviation Fellowship. That is our offering.
In light of Psalm 134, from hymn 10, we sang, and blessed be his glorious name. You just bless the Lord. Now the turn, the Lord comes to you and he blesses you. So receive the blessing of the Lord now. Brothers and sisters in Christ, the Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make his face to shine upon you and be gracious to you. The Lord turn his face toward you and give you his peace. Amen.